Good morning. Hallelujah. As you're finding a place uh, to sit, we want to make sure that we as a church always honor the freedom that we uh, experience in America. And by doing that, in remembering and remembering and remembering, we're, we're again showing our appreciation for those. Uh, last Friday was Veterans Day, and so we want to again remember our veterans and uh, all that they've done for us. And I've asked Harvey, which is a veteran, to come up, and we're going to pray for all those that have and are serving in the military today. Aren't we blessed to be in America? Let's say it again. Are we blessed to be in America? Amen. Amen. Harvey. So if um, all of the active duty would stand, if there's any in the house, and if not, all the veterans, if you would stand. We'll just honor you and pray over you and pray for everybody else. Just remain standing. Thank you for your service. We appreciate that. Let's uh, brought you a prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our freedoms and our liberties and the high price paid for the, uh, to ensure them. We pray for the troops presently stationed and sacrificing and serving while separated from their families. Lord, assign angels to stand guard around them and protect them and comfort them and their families. Thank you for their lives and sacrifices of those who have served before them and to give uh, the strength of their youth and freedom and liberty to defend this country. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's give them a hand again for all that they mean to us. You know, our, our church family, it, it, if you don't realize it, let me, you probably do, you just haven't maybe recognized it. Let me, again, recognize that being a part of a church and being faithful to a church is a family, our, our church family. Uh, sometimes all of our family can't be here at the same week, and then sometimes everybody shows up at the same time. But we're all family, you know, and I, I appreciate all the things that different family members do for the church. You know, part of my family is my son Mark and Luke and, and all the young adults that helped. If you noticed, maybe you didn't even notice. But the walls in the church have changed colors. You say, well, Mildred, I never even noticed that. They were kind of a, a butterscotch, which was in style about, yeah, that many years ago. But we have now decided to change them to gray. And the good news is, if you don't like it, we'll change it again in about 20 years, all right? So just hold on. All right. Now, this is a time that, again, we, we celebrate holidays, but we celebrate it as family. And, and sometimes, you know, the thing about birthdays, it's kind of like holidays. They come around every year. And sometimes we take them for granted because we feel like it's every Monday, you know, that we're celebrating another birthday. Man, it went faster this year than it was last. Am I turning? You know what I'm talking about. So when that mindset starts slipping into holidays, we really take for granted the time that we spend together as a family. Uh, everybody tracking with me now. So, so you have to do the holiday season on purpose. Oh, I've already gone to Christmas party. I've already done that Thanksgiving. I've already done that New Year's thing, that candlelight. Let me encourage you again. Life goes this fast. Can I get an amen to everybody that's older than 12? You, you know it as well as me. You were 18, and then all of a sudden you were 35. I mean, it went that quick. 
Yeah, yeah, and everybody's on mumble, goes over the crowd, and now you're, we'll leave that there. But we're about ready to celebrate some things that are going on in our country and in our lives. Thanksgiving uh, Sunday is this coming week. Next Sunday, we'll, we'll celebrate Thanksgiving. I'll finish the series on hope, maybe. But anyway, we'll, we'll have another sermon on hope. And then after service, we'll break down the uh, uh, sanctuary, all the chairs, and roll in tables and put the chairs around the tables, and out comes the turkey. And we're going to eat, not only eat bread or break bread together, but we're going to eat again together. Now, we have all this planned, and we want to encourage you to be here. That's next Sunday morning. Now, as we get closer after Thanksgiving, you know, the next holiday. Sometimes I wish we would have spread them out just a little bit more, but it is a wonderful season that Christmas comes on us, and then we'll have a Christmas party, an annual church Christmas party together that, again, builds memories. Uh, and then after the, the Christmas party, then we'll, we'll have a candlelight, that's right, candlelight Christmas Eve service. And let me tell you, uh, the tradition of just coming together in this sanctuary on Christmas Eve, some people have family and they can't come, that's all right. But there is family that will be meeting here. And sometimes even if you can't be here, there's a warmth in knowing my family's meeting down there at 4101 Golden Triangle. And they're going to have a service tonight. Now, this year, it's a little different. About every seven years, Christmas falls on a Sunday morning, or it falls on a Sunday. And we have church on Sunday morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to condense our service because we want to encourage you, again, as we talked about years and years, is make Jesus the reason for the season. So we're going to have church on Christmas Day, but we're going to, again, not only... Uh, emphasize Jesus and the gospel on Sunday morning here at the church, but we're going to also encourage you to spend time with your family so you can have Christmas and, and all that good stuff. And then church will start at 11 o'clock and go until 12 o'clock. You say, well, pastor, that's not a real long time. And I don't even know if I should get out of my pajamas. Stop that. <laughs> Just get dressed, come down here and celebrate the day with us for an hour. And you know how it is. By the time you get here, about 15 15, 20 minutes early, and you leave about 15, 20 minutes later, it'll be a day that you won't forget. And the same thing on New Year's Day. Some of us stay up until 12, and some of us stay up till about 1030. Anyway, just, just talking. And uh, I believe that the New Year's will come if I stay up or not. That's just John Miller's thought. But anyway, then the next day is Sunday morning. So New Year's Day, January 1 falls on a Sunday. We'll do the same thing that we would do at Christmas, where it's just a one-hour service from 11 o'clock in the morning until 12 o'clock in the noontime. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have service, of course, regular the weeks after that. And uh, we'll encourage you every time that you come in the Word of God. Uh, I know that some people just recently were either out of town or sick for a couple weeks. And, and the more times that you come to church in your life, you know that once you miss a couple weeks, you're like, my goodness, it feels like months since I've... So I want to, again, as pastor, just tell you that we're going to have service these Sundays, and we encourage you to come and hear the good news. And again, it just keeps us refueled for the week and so that we know as Christians we go into a dark world that needs us desperately and therefore we have to be in the right 
frame of thinking and on the right track. Now, as we get in today's message, uh, I'm so happy to hear people talking about hope and how they're encouraged. Remember the first Sunday when I talked about the anchor to our soul in Hebrews? It talks about how when God made the promise of eternal life for us, that he even swore by his own name because there was no name greater. That yes, my promises are yes, and it's up to us to say amen. Hallelujah. Now some of us will, it'll dawn on you in life later. You'll hear scriptures and you go, that's nice. Yes, yes, amen, amen. But as Lisa is kind of experienced and she said today, it's always yes. I've already made the promise. And God said, it is so much of a promise that I'm going to swear to it and put my name on it. So we talked about the hope of our eternal life being secure. But listen, when we are just swimming in that little revelation, that knowledge of eternal salvation, it's number one importance of all time in our life as believers. But also the revelation that God's word brings that we can have hope and faith for things right here while we breathe. We're not waiting for heaven. You can wait for heaven. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, the things that we are experiencing right now here on this earth is God-given. So we have hope. Then we talked about the love chapter and how important hope is. And sometimes we take it as a second grade kind of a, you know, fruit of the spirit or kind of an emotion or whatever, you know, that. But when you think about it, as Paul said in the love chapter, when, when, when you get down to it, hope is so important of an ingredient that you can't even love somebody if you're not experiencing the hope for them. The very best. Have you ever tried to walk in love? with somebody that wasn't really lovable? And you realized you didn't really have an option. If God would have just given you some clause that says, no, I'm not loving that person. But to go to the, the, the level that God has given us, He says, I want you to even put hope for the best for that person. Then you get to Hebrews chapter 11, and it says that you really can't have faith if you don't have hope. Because faith is being sure of the things you hope for and certain of the things you do not see. Again, is that logic? No. It just doesn't make sense sometimes. And that's what we talked about. When you're waiting for what God is bringing about in your life, the hope that God is going to do this in your life because His Word says it's going to happen, and you put your hope in there before faith even begins to be generated, here's what we talked about that week, we looked at it and we said, while we're waiting, which is sometimes the hardest part of Christianity for this guy up here, being patient. I didn't even hear any amens or yeah, me too. Feel kind of lonely up here on the platform. But in waiting at that moment that gives us the energy and the fuel to wait is the joy that we have to be thankful and recognize the things that we have. Do you remember the day when you were single and you thought you were all that and a bag of chips and boy, everybody thought you... But down deep, you began to hope that you would find somebody, a, a wife or a husband that would be, you know, somebody that would love you. So you, you put your hope and one day that happens. Then after that happens, if you're not 
careful. You're hoping that she will just do the right thing or he would just quit putting his shoes over there. And God says, I want you to have joy in the middle of this waiting and hoping because of all the things that you have taken your eyes off that you forgot that I've given you. And that can keep us from either uh, being ungrateful and sometimes when we're ungrateful, we'll make decisions and choices that we'll look back and go, why did I make that choice? It's because we did not appreciate the thing that we had. And we were only going to be happy when we reached another point, another destination in our life. Last week we talked about the importance of hope and how, how the second laugh, do you remember that? I've heard people say, you know, Pastor, I'm believing. Boy, after last week, I, I because Sarah, the first time that she heard that she was going to have a baby, 90 years old, and he's going to be 100? Are you kidding me? She laughed with almost unbelief. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Has anybody besides me laughed when God put something so big in your heart that there was no way he was going to do it? I mean, it was going to happen unless he did it. But let me tell you, if you've experienced any time in your life the second laugh when it came from just hoping for it and then building your faith for it and then having the patience to wait for it and then it happens and you step back and go, oh my goodness. I've done that. And it's amazing how when we do that as believers, we look like we know it all, don't we? That we're geniuses. But really what we have done is we've listened to the Father and our life has unfolded in a way that people go, How, how'd that happen? Now this is where we get in trouble when we go, I tell you what I did, I just did one, two, three, and let's have a course on it. Instead of giving God the credit. Now, now this morning, I, I want to take it to another level and as we get close to the end of the series, and I, I want us to talk about hope in, in a way that I haven't necessarily in weeks past. If you see in my hand, these, if you can't see this far, these are acorns. I think they're called super acorns, or that's my title. You know, usually they're about the size maybe of a dime or a quarter, and, and they got the little cap on them, and, and you see them in the fall when they actually fall from the oak trees, if it's a red oak or live oak or whatever. But these the other day, when I was getting out of my car in the parking lot, I go, oh my goodness. It just so that I was speaking on this subject. So this morning, I want you to remember that hope is the seed that God has put in your heart to believe for something. And, and this morning, Mark, hold that right there. Okay, so this is hope for you and I. That, that What is it that God has placed in your heart? Because everything that is in, think about this. Everything that is in this little capsule is really an oak tree. Inside this is a 40-foot oak tree. It has leaves on it. It has birds in the tree. Now, it's not the birds aren't in here, but you know what I'm talking about. Work with me. It produces shade for people and its beauty. Everything is in this little guy right here. 
But see, when we get to this place in our lives and we begin to hope for something, we dare to hope that God's word is going to be active and alive in our lives. See, it's bringing it from this place that we don't make fun of this in our life or that we allow other people to make fun of it that we realize that in this seed is going to be a, a big, big tree, a big, big thing in our life. This morning, let's pray. Father, thank you for the ability to come together, hear your word, and Father, your word changes our destiny. And we appreciate God, we love you for that. In your name we pray, amen. You know, um, I was talking to, Marianne and Marianne Meltenbarger is over here in the red. She's a godly mother, grandmother, wife. And uh, she comes out, I understand, every day and says, God, thank you for such a wonderful day and providing for me and Jim. And Well, she has a neighbor that is not that godly. And matter of fact, he don't believe in God. And he sits on his porch and says, there is no God. So he watched her do this every day for weeks. So one day he decided, I'm going to show her. So he went down to the store and bought a couple bags of grocery and set it right on the porch, her porch, so that when she came out in the morning, she would see those groceries. Sure enough, just like a clockwork, the, the, uh, the door opened and he's watching. He's hiding over in the bushes and Marianne comes out and says, God, thank you for providing these groceries for me and Jim today. He jumped out and said, aha, gotcha. God didn't provide those groceries. I did. I just bought them. She said, God, thank you for providing the groceries and making the devil pay for them. All right, now we're loosened up a little bit. Come on, stretch. Now, let, let me remind you that sometimes if we're not careful as we go through life, we're, we're living in a world, but we're not of the world. That, that as God has placed himself in us, the Holy Spirit living in us, that if we're not careful as we get closer and closer to just people, it's just life, that they begin to rub off on us and, and they begin to influence us into thinking that logic, in man's logic, man's understanding is the only that has limits for us. In other words, that the logic of man is where we're going to go and that's the boundaries that we work in. But for us as believers and children of the creator of the universe, that we realize that God's point of view can even trump logic. Last week I brought out the passage when Jesus was saying that he was going to go to the cross and, and, and Peter says, no, you're not. I'm going to stop you. And Jesus said those words, get behind me, Satan, because your perspective is dangerous. You have man's perspective instead of God's perspective. And those words, you know, when I'm, I'm reading those out of that translation, dangerous. What? Because so many times if we're not careful, we don't realize that if we work in man's points of view in our life, and that is something that constantly is dictating who we are, 
it can rob us of the destiny that God has for us. Now, now I'm going to encourage you today. So some of you need to say, okay, I can be encouraged. The Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and He'll make your path straight. I want again to take off some limitations off of your thinking because so many times we know there is a God and because we cannot see Him physically, we have a limitation of saying, well, really, is it what you're saying, Pastor, or is the Word of God actually uh, uh, perfect for my life? Let me give you again, this is out of science. That's right, people that don't believe necessarily in God. But they have said and they have studied and studied, and this is what they consider a fact. Now, I, I can't prove it, but this is not Pastor John coming up with this. Again, I'm talking about the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe. They say that the sun is, of course, so much bigger than the planet that we live on. It is, if you take it to scale the size of the earth, and I hope I can communicate this right, but it would be 15 feet by 15 feet. The walls of the church are around 10 feet, so you add about half of that again, 15 by 15. If the sun is bigger than the earth, and the earth would be the size of a golf ball. Everybody see this white little golf ball that has been in my dresser drawer for about two years. I don't play golf anymore, so it came in handy today. The sun is 15 by 15, and the earth is the size of a golf ball. They say, how many golf balls could fit inside of the sun? 1.3 million golf balls could fit in the size of our sun. 1.3 million with an M. But our sun is one of the smallest stars in the planet or in the universe. Now we're talking about the creator of the universe that created the stars. This just is amazing. But I'm trying to lift the boundaries off your thinking today. There is a star that they found out there that is called Arcturus, and it measures, instead of 15 by 15, 36 million kilometers wide. Now watch this. So if you bring it to scale, it would be wider than a football field. So how many golf balls, which represent the earth, could fit into this star? Ready? 22.6 billion, with a B, Earths, 22.6 billion Earths could fit into that star. 22.6 billion dollar, or billion dollar, billion Earths could fit inside of that star. How many people feel small today? <laughs> We're on a planet the size of a golf ball that could fit 22 billion into that star. So, in the next few minutes, as again, I'm talking about man's logic and the way that we see things. We see things so, even, even if you would think of it looking at a comic book as a two-dimensional figure on a piece of paper versus that comic character coming 
out of that and walking around and talking and having a brain and then having no beginning and no, it's just, sometimes our way of thinking is dangerous if we limit what God's trying to do in your life, in my life. And so many times I see God doing something, and it's only this amount of time where God says, John, I, I got your whole eternity with me. In just a few minutes, you become real. The God that created the universe can bring to completion what he has started in you. Have you or somebody you know heard that they've dealt with man's logic and they, they just can't get their mind around hoping for something bigger in their life that would be considered impossible? Again, last week we talked about Sarah. There is no way logically speaking that you would convince anybody that a 90-year-old woman could have a baby. But all you have to do is to prove it is ask Sarah. There is no way a young virgin lady could have a baby. But all you have to do is ask Mary. And she says, oh yeah. When you study the Old Testament and the people that are coming out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they're going into the wilderness because they're going into the promised land, they come out of the wilderness and all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but after a few days, they begin to complain. I I wish we hadn't meat. And it starts, I, I, I have to put this in here, it started with the rabble, it said. So I researched, what? Who was the rabble? That was a group of people that weren't even in covenant with God. They just came out of Egypt, non-Jewish people, with the Jewish people at this time. And they began to say, well, we remember all the good meats and all the good things and all the vegetables and all the things that we had. So it began to stir among the people of God. Again, the influence coming into the people of God. And they begin to become upset because even though God had provided bread in the form of manna, which was like dew that fell over the ground, they could just go over and scoop it up at night. They begin to say, you know, we kind of miss meat. We would like meat. And so they begin to complain. And and God says, you have complained about not having meat. I will give you meat for a whole month. Now, you and I are sitting here and we can go down and get whatever we want out of any grocery store, probably within a five-mile radius, there's probably several. But to tell them that was impossible. Moses said, "If you kill God, if we killed all of our herds, not even our herds, but if we killed all the herds and flocks on the face of the earth, it would be not enough to feed approximately, and people think there was two million people there, 600,000 men. It's impossible. It just can't happen. He even went another step further and said, if you got all the fish in the ocean, it wouldn't be enough. Have I convinced you? Because Moses convinced me that man's logic said there was no way they were going to eat meat for a month. Impossible. Woman can't have a baby without a man. 90-year-old woman can't have a baby. But if you'd go today and you'd ask Moses, he'd say, oh, God can provide quail in the desert. Now, quail don't go in the desert. 
But when you say, like God said, there is nothing too hard for me. And you go to Moses, he goes, I believe it. I was there. Quail came across and they were so deep. Some think that they were even ankle to knee deep. There was so many quail. For a whole month, they ate quail. Choice meat. Man's logic. Nope, that didn't happen. Nope. Just sit there and watch what God can do in your life. God said, He said this, God answered Moses, so do you think I can't take care of you? You'll see soon enough whether what I say happens for you or not. Do you know that you and I get nothing out of doubting God up to the point we see it in the physical realm come to be? You don't encourage yourself. You don't encourage the people around you. You're a tombstone encourager. Have you ever seen a tombstone that was so encouraging you wonder if that person ever heard that before they died? Don't be one of those. God, I can't see it, but I believe you can do it. And I'm believing, even though everybody around me says it's impossible, I believe you can do it. Let me ask you a question, and just in man's logic, your logic, can it, can it be possible? Can 300 men in an army, 300 men defeat an army so great that you can't even count them? No. Well, ask Gideon. Can an army so big and bad, 185,000 of the enemy soldiers be killed at one time because they just got scared? Ask Hezekiah. Because he'd say, oh, yes, they can, and it was amazing. We went out, and it took days to collect all the spoils. We were hungry, but bang, God provided in a way. And you're like, really? And what's amazing is there's some people that would still doubt if they weren't there. Oh, I don't know if you're telling me the truth. Let me ask you, can a five-foot, sold-off little guy defeat an army warrior that's considered a giant with just a rock? No. Not so quick. Ask David. Am I... Am I making myself clear there's kind of a there's kind of a thread that's building here can can you take a young orphan lady that rescues a whole nationality of people can she become queen in one of the most powerful empires can she have enough influence to turn the heart of a king so that her whole people are saved and then she becomes richer than anybody else in the kingdom beside the king in doing it. No. Not so quick. Ask Esther. And you'll find out that that's not man's logic, but it's God's perspective. Let me ask you, do you have a story that you're hiding because you think that people wouldn't believe you? Just tell your story of God's provision in your life that with man's perspective, you shouldn't be where you're sitting, but because God's love in your life, you are still breathing, you're still kicking, and you're still going forward. 
You know, one of my favorite stories of a miracle that sometimes we never hear is the Apostle Paul. He's a preacher. He's in Acts, and he's preaching away, and he kind of gets overwhelmed. Not overwhelmed. He just gets a little overwinded. And he begins to preach and preach and preach, and it's going later and later in the night. So late in the night that there's this young man named Eutychus, uh, which is really means lucky, and he's sitting in a windowsill, and he kind of falls asleep. Now, I know none of your, my people here would ever fall asleep during one of my sermons. But if they ever do, that was the Apostle Paul that he fell asleep. And old Eutychus is, you know, he's probably doing the Pentecostal nod. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, not John Miller, the Bible says that he falls out of the window three stories up. Deader than a hammer. He's dead. The whole assembly goes down to the bottom of the floor where he is and Paul falls on him and begins to pray and says, he's going to live. And he comes back to life. And it says that he go back up and Paul finishes the sermon. I love that. Can a guy fall out of a window during a sermon on a, on a late night revival, die, and come back to life? No. It's impossible. How many? That's about 30-some feet. Did he fall on his head? I don't know, but he died. Impossible. He can't. Just ask Eutychus. It says that they later that or early the next morning, they take him home. And, and let me just kind of sum this up. They took the boy Eutychus home alive. I love how they had to remind everybody he's alive. And were greatly comforted and encouraged. I think I'd be encouraged too. My boy was brought home alive. Of course, you know, mom. Why were you sleeping? I'm alive! Are you basing your prayers of hope on man's logic? Because you have a great possibility of allowing that to rob your destiny. Of what God has put in your heart. That maybe at this point in your life you said, God, I've waited so long and I've hoped with you know anticipation, God. I've looked long and expect like... Pastor John has said before, even Lisa said it one time during a song, I've done that, God. God says, just keep going, buddy. I've got it. So many times as, as believers, we fall because we look at other man's logic for our own life. We don't, we don't, we're not limited by man's logic because our Father is the creator of the universe. Now, let me give you this. This is Roman numerals, okay? Do we have this on the screen? Maybe you could see it better. In Roman numerals, X equals 10. Of course, V equals 5, and 1 equals, guess what, 1. If you put the lesser in front of the greater, it is subtracting. So in the letter I and X, the X is a 10, the 1, that is a 9. Now let me ask you, here's the problem I want you to solve. 
When you're looking at this and you think, okay, how with one stroke of the pen, not two, one stroke of the pen, can you make that a six? So if you put a V in front of it, that would be a five and a one minus ten, that would make it a four. How would you make it six? Everybody ready? Say, yes, I'm ready, Pastor John. Here's how you do it. The letter S makes it a six. See, I had you thinking about Roman numerals. And so many times in man's logic, we say, there is no way. There is no way. And God says, let me put my S on your natural. I'm supernatural. What you are seeing is impossible. I don't have to deal with those limitations that that you do. I I want you to see this. When a doctor gives you a, a, a diagnosis, you're going to die. You say, not so quick there, buddy. When you have a a bad news that comes into your life and somebody says, this is what's going to happen. I've been there. I've done that. I've got right under here a t-shirt. I've done it. This is what's going to happen to you. You say, no, no, not for me. Let me conclude this sermon by one more thing that I want to bring out before next week. I've always said that as we're walking by faith, that it starts with a hope picture. And, and faith being sure of the things we hope for. And so many times we get yeah, yeah, that hope thing. It's just a, it's kind of like having a wish that you blow out a candle at your birthday. Whew, I wish that I wasn't fat. You know, whew, I wish I was smart. Whew, I wish that boy would see me over. Whatever. It's just a wish. We're not talking about a wish. We're talking about hope. There's something about the principle in the Word of God. If you can see it, you can have it. If you find the promise, then it's up to you to say the amen, the so be it. Can you see yourself free? Can you see yourself healthy? Can you see yourself successful in overcoming instead of always being behind? See, because... When people begin to get this and they get the promises of God, they begin to see themselves as God sees them and the limitations come off of them. They begin to see God and and who He is and then therefore they can see who God says they are. I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of people that will come to to Christ as a child and they'll, they'll, let me say, and I did this. it's, It's hard not to see that. And, and we have problems with sometimes grace in our life because of things that have you know that we've not experienced. But let me tell you, somebody that has come into Christ and they've had a, a, a bad background uh, riddled with sin and, and maybe things in their life, there's something about them coming to this point and saying, I, I just can never believe that I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus, Pastor, because you don't know what I've gone through or what I've done in my life. And they're always wanting to trump it. You know what I mean? Well, You don't know what Pastor John has done in his life. I'll give you grace if you give me. What do you do? Steal a pack of Oreo cookies when you were six? You know, it's always like my sin is a lot worse than you. 
But when they get to the place that they actually can receive the word of God that says, we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did for you. Well, I don't feel, it's not about feeling. And sometimes it doesn't feel right, but you got to say, well, God's not going to lie. And then they begin to receive it. The Bible says without a vision, without hope, listen, without a vision, people will cast off restraint. Have you seen people, maybe yourself, go crazy at times in your life? Why? Because you don't know where you're going. What are you hoping for? What is the vision that you're saying, God, you have placed in my life for a reason. I'm staying the course. Let me kind of get outside of the Bible. You know, Jack Nicholson for years was one of the best golfers that ever lived. And he was asked, how in the world do you win so many tournaments in golf? He said this, quote, I see where every shot is going before my body gets involved. Then the picture will govern my body's response. Now, Jack Nicholson is not a theologian. But there's a lot of good stuff right in that phrase right there. Because what a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And as we begin to walk in that, all of a sudden, we allow the picture that God speaks over our life to begin to develop in our mind. Do you remember? I don't know about you, but I was old, I'm old enough to know that you used to have to develop your film. And you had to go in a dark room. In high school, it was so fabulous. I went in this dark room and, bow, it came out. Nowadays, everybody knows that that's you know, just digitally. But it's developing the picture in your mind that God gives you, the hope picture. When I came out to see the piece of property that the church now sits on, it had weeds about this high. And I remember that the Golden Triangle was one step above a dirt cow path. I mean, you had a yeah, you had a really, really need to come out here to get on Golden to want to get on Golden Triangle. And the county only had really one lane. It was two lane, but one, one road, not, not divided like it is now, uh, going east and west. And, and they would stockpile gravel that they would repair the road with right out in front of our church. Huge piles, probably 10 feet plus. So Pastor John was so happy that God allowed us to buy this piece of property. And if you were here last week, you heard of the 135000 that we had actually bought this 10 and a half acres that's worth now $10 million. But I, I remember sitting on those gravel piles like it was yesterday. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk it, you know, I'm every place my foot. But, you know, Joshua, I was going to walk around. And then I got down here about midways and there was a big tree there and no weeds. It was all laying down. So I just knew there was a cheetah out here somewhere. So I went back and I got back up on the rock pile. And I began to allow God to show me. Now, listen, am I talking about he gave me a slideshow and a, a vivid, but it, I just began, man, our church could be over there. You know, and our sanctuary could be in there. And I could see Mike Sloan sitting back there. I could see Gary and Alex. I could see Dustin. Now, Dustin's in Colorado and not even thinking he's coming to Texas at that time. But God did. 
And I could go into all your personal stories if I knew them, but the thing is that God saw you sitting in this chapel years ago when John was sitting up there wondering if a cheetah could get him, okay? The picture began to give me energy because there was a lot of things that had to happen before we had one building out here. There was a lot of hope that had to go into it. And what was amazing is it gave me the energy to push and push into a realm that was not reality at that moment. It was not something of man's logic and even pastors, and again, the good best friends. And said, how many many people are going? What's the cost of the building and the... Maybe you ought to back off of it a little bit. Maybe you ought to not know. But listen, I saw our church blessed. I didn't see our church going through struggles. I saw our church and what God was going to do. Well, Brother Miller, I just kind of let things, life happen to me. You know what? Life's going to happen and smack you right in the face. And some of us have experienced that because we have not, again, allowed God to be God in the middle of the storm. We were, well, I'm, I'm going to give up. See, a lot of times that's the importance of praise and worship. Your body is responding to the picture of what is happening on the inside. And if you're not careful, so many people aren't seeing nothing. They're not expecting anything. They're not believing for anything. Therefore, they're never disappointed. But when we begin to believe that there's nothing too hard for God and God says, I have a plan for you and here's the good news. It's a good plan. Can you come to the place in your walk with Christ right now that you say, you know what? I'm convinced that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I believe that, you know, the the blessing of God is just looking to chase me down and jump all over me. Well, pastor, that's a little bit too much. Okay, that's not too much for Gideon. It's not too much for Moses. It's not too much for little Eutychus that fell off. And he says, come on, let me be God in your life. What are you hoping for? Because you know what? Some people believe in Murphy's Law. If it's going to go bad, it's going to go bad for me. And it's amazing how they'll say that out of their mouth and being a prophet. I'm not a prophet. You're a self-prophet, and that's what happens in your life. Pastor, I'm just talking like it is. It's reality because you're speaking it over your life. See, it's, it takes faith to believe that everything you do is going to turn out bad. So leave me alone if I say everything that I'm believing in is going to turn out good. Whew. Time's up or I'm about ready to go again. Let me say this. I believe that we should... Again, walk in the word. Deuteronomy 28 says, I'm blessed in the city. Well, I live in the country. Good news, it says, I'm blessed also in the country. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. I've chosen to be the head and not the tail. This morning, that's who I speak and what I speak over your life. God is for me. 
when the children of Israel saw the cluster of grapes, they should have went back and said, we got to go yesterday, not tomorrow, today. Let's go. Why? Because those guys that had been carrying that grape cluster back with them could have allowed that picture to become dominant in their life to the point that it wasn't just Joshua and Caleb that had it, but all of the 12 spies could have said, you know what? For the last few days since we've carried that and walked through the land that God is going to give us, you know what? Your turn there, Billy Bob spy. And Billy Bob could have said, you know what? I could see myself sitting on my back porch eating those grapes. And and Jimmy says, you know, Jimmy, you know, so, Jimmy cracked corn and he don't care most of the time. All of a sudden he's like, you know what? I can't tell you, but something happened when I saw those, those blueberries. And Moses says, tell the congregation. Well, I'll tell you what, I saw that big blueberry and I could just, I just, I just, I just had to have it. And I thought to myself, me and my Mildred could just sit right here on the porch in our big house that we didn't even build that God provided and look out over the vineyard that we didn't plant God provided. And I just saw me and Mildred there saying, God is good. Now this morning, right where you're at, I want to pass out if you haven't already got, our ushers can give you one. And it's a piece of paper, just real quick handout. Raise your hand if you didn't get one. Make sure everybody has one. Before you leave today, have one of these. Then it's going to be up to you if you use it. I can only lead you to water. I can't make you drink. So here's what I encourage you to do. You see on that piece of paper, it is in English. It is so easy. As you can see, what am I hoping for? Now, you might get all sideways and say, well, I'm having faith for that. That's okay. But it starts with the seed called hope. Don't, don't be shy. And if, if you don't want your husband or wife to see it, you know, hide it. Goodness. This is for you. What are you hoping for in your relationships? What are you hoping for in your health and your finances? Here's where it starts. What are you, just be honest. What are you hoping for? I'm not going to go in detail, but some of you are scared to hope for something. Don't, don't allow fear to overcome the hope that God can put in your heart. Then next, just down at the bottom, my hope pictures. What I do is sometimes if I'm believing for something, I'll find a picture. And I'll take that picture and, and you know, I, I have a picture of our future sanctuary and every morning when I brush my teeth, it's staring me in the face. Again, a whole picture. Maybe some of you are believing for a house to God would provide you for. What is it, the kind of house that you're... Take a picture. Some people call it a vision board where they'll do several pictures, you know. Then what is my biblical scriptures to base my faith on? You're not going to wish for something that's outside of the Word of God that's not based on the Word of God. Then turn on the back. This is what I want you to do. We're on Thanksgiving week, and as you can tell, I put a lot of work into this. Two things a day I'm thankful for in my life. Tomorrow's the 13th, all the way through the end of the month. You don't have to use my paper, but put all your thankfulness things on one page. And this is why I'm saying one page. 
So see how quick it is before you start repeating. Two things a day. I'll give you one that I really hadn't thought about until I'm walking this morning. Because my hope is that I'm healthy. Later in life, not just now, when I'm a little older than 20-something. So I'm exercising every morning. Walking. Cold today. Exercising. And I'm praying, God, give me something. I say, what am I thankful for? Here's what I'm thankful for. My future. That I have a future. Don't take for granted the things that you don't think about on a regular basis. And write those down. And let me tell you, I dare you to tell the people that you're thankful for as you write them down that day. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, what you brought about in our life. And God, you are so big to take the limits. You can take the limits off of our thinking. Father, we pray that you would just expand our belief system there's nothing too hard for you Father we want your will to be done in our life and therefore we have to use our free will that you've given us to walk in accordance with that will that you've given us God we thank you for that in your name we pray Amen Yeah, Let's give Pastor a hand Next week, we have our finale of our Hope is Here series that we've been in. We'll follow the service um, with, with lunch, like our pastor talked about, Thanksgiving-themed lunch. Um, if you plan to come, please sign up so we know kind of how much food to, to plan to, to prepare. Also, if you would like to bring a dish of your own, we would love that. Um, and we'll have a meeting, uh, an organizational meeting for that following today's service, just right here up front, the front of the sanctuary. So please, if you'd like to, if you'd like to come and eat and fellowship, we'd love to have you. Please sign up here in the back of the sanctuary. If you'd like to bring food, a dish of your own, please, we would love that, and and come meet up here up front with us um, today after service. Would y'all go ahead and stand with me really quick? My great takeaway personally of, our, of, of the sermon today is when our pastor said, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How many know we have to be transformed by the renewal of our mind? We've got to see ourselves differently the way God sees us so that we can be conformed to that vision he has for us. Amen? I'm so thankful for the word of God that, that, that I hear and it renews my thinking. It challenges me to think differently. Okay, the Bible says um, it's more blessed to give than receive. So let me pray, pray a prayer of blessing over you, but you just join in. Pick somebody next to you and lay your hand on them. Maybe if you got two hands, you can lay it on two people and um, just pray a prayer of blessing over the person next to you as you go. Father, I thank you so much for your word as it goes forth. Thank you for challenging us to think differently, to live differently. Father, I ask for your vision over our life. We want to know what you see. We want to know how you see us. 
God, help us to live differently. We, we wait expectantly for your word that transforms us. Your word, it's, it's by your word that we live and move and have our being. So, Father, we look to you to change the way we think, to conform our, our, our mind to you. Renew us, Father. We ask that you'd bless the people next to us. Bless our church and make us prosper in our community. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. See y'all next week.